Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis 21 how Abraham did everything he could to teach and steer Ishmael by his life example and teaching him how to know God, serve God, and to give God all his heart before his age of accountability. Now, this message is available on iTunes.com. Just search for the Friendship with God podcast. It's also available through our website, friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. It's there for free listening, free download, because of your support of this Bible teaching radio program, Friendship with God. And we need your support to stay on the air. Would you consider making a one-time donation today, or even a monthly reoccurring donation that we can set up for you? Now, you can donate online, a one-time donation at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. If you'd like to make a one-time donation or a monthly reoccurring donation, you can call us now or after the program at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Your support makes it possible for us to continue this Old Testament teaching Bible teaching radio program going and edifying the saints as well as encouraging Jewish evangelism through Israel Restoration Ministries and the gospel going out to the Jewish people. So please support us. Again, that number is at 800-247-3051 or again, support us online at friendshipwithgod.org. You can even send a free gospel gift to a lost Jewish friend that you know or a neighbor, a coworker, relative, acquaintance, someone that you know that's Jewish that needs to be saved, Tom Cantor will give them a free gift available through Israel Restoration Ministries. That form is available online at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. Go to the Jew first with the gospel and help us to reach lost Jewish people in these last days. Now here's Tom Cantor teaching us how Abraham did everything he could to teach and steer Ishmael by his life example and how he taught him to know God, serve God, and give God all his heart before his age of accountability. So Ishmael, mocking Isaac as God's child of promise, would also say the words of John 8, 39, Abraham is my father. The Jews today who are opposed to the Lord Jesus Christ as God's chosen Messiah would also say the words of John 8, 39, Abraham is our father. But the Lord Jesus Christ said to the Jews who wanted to kill him the words, If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. The Lord Jesus Christ would say to Ishmael, mocking Isaac as God's promised child of promise, the same words. If you were a child of Abraham, you'd do the works of Abraham. If you were one of, if you were Abraham's child. So the Lord Jesus Christ would say to the Jews today who oppose the Lord Jesus Christ as God's chosen Messiah, the same words in John 8, 39. If you were Abraham's children, you'd do the works of Abraham. And the reason the Jews who tried to kill him were not the Abraham's children, the Lord Jesus Christ made clear when he said, my word has no place in you. And the reason Ishmael mocked God's promised child, the reason he was not a child of Abraham, that means to say Ishmael, was because the Lord Jesus Christ would have made it clear to Ishmael, my word has no place in you. And the reason the Jews opposed the Lord Jesus Christ today and they're not Abraham's children, is because the Lord Jesus Christ would say the same words, John 8, 37, my word hath no place in you. So we see in verse 9 this great blossoming of the teaching in the relationship between Ishmael and Isaac, or the difference in Ishmael and Isaac. Isaac was God's promised child to bring the promised blessing of the salvation, which would be a blessing to all the families of the world. And that was a group of Abraham and Sarah, the believers, who rejoiced in the coming of God's promised child. 
And then there was the Ishmael, who was not a believer, and he didn't rejoice in the coming of God's promised child. He mocked the child of God of promise. But there was this remnant group of Abraham's seed who rejoiced in the promise that was fulfilled, that was predicted by Isaiah in Isaiah 7.14, where the Lord said, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And again, he said in Isaiah 9.6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, government shall be upon his shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. So there was always been this remnant. There was the remnant of Mary, Mary and her friends who rejoiced in the child of promise when the angel told her in Luke 1.35, the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing that shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And she rejoiced, and Elizabeth and all of her friends rejoiced also at the coming of the promised child. But there was also the other group. There was also the other group of Abraham's seed, the Ishmael group of Abraham's seed, who followed exactly in the steps of Ishmael, and like Ishmael looked at Isaac and mocked, they looked at the promised one, they mocked also. They mocked also, referring to his birth, what we just talked about in Luke 20. They said, we're not born of fornication and illegitimacy. That was mocking. They mocked him there. They mocked him when he taught in John 8, 56 through 59, where it says, he said, your father rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it was glad. Then said the Jews unto him in a mocking manner, thou art not yet 50 years old. Hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Then that was over the top. Then they took up stones to cast at him, but he hid himself, went out of the temple. Okay. That Ishmael group of Abraham's seed looked at the promised one like Ishmael looked at Isaac. And like Ishmael looking at Isaac and mocking him, they mocked him at his trial in Luke 22, 63, 65, where it says, the men that held Jesus mocked him, smote him, and when they had blindfolded him, they struck him on the face and asked him, saying, prophesy, who is that? that smote thee, and many other blasphemous things spake they against him. So it was that Ishmael group of Abraham's seed that looked at the promised one, and like Ishmael looking at Isaac, they mocked him when he was making the atonement on the cross, when he was doing his atonement work on the cross in Mark 15, 29 through 32, where it says, and they that passed by railed on him, wagging their heads, saying, no, 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 wagging their heads and saying, ah, thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself, come down from the cross. Likewise, also the chief priests, mocking, said among themselves the scribes, he saved others, himself he cannot save. Let Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross that we may see and believe. And they that were crucified with him reviled him. And while he was on the cross, and while he was doing that atonement work, he felt that mocking very strongly, yet he makes this silent prayer to God, which is recorded for us in Psalm 22, 7 through 8, where he silently, he prays, 
All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip. They shake their head saying, he trusted in the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. So we look in verse 9, and we see in Ishmael, as the seed of Abraham, mocking Isaac, the child of promise, a prophecy of how the majority of the seed of Abraham will, like Ishmael, mock the Lord Jesus Christ, the child of promise. That was standing on verse 9 and looking forward, as we just did. But we also can stand on verse 9 and look backwards to Genesis 3.15, where God said to the serpent, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. So from verse 9, looking backwards, we see the conflict between the two seeds. The conflict where the one seed, which is on the surface seen in Ishmael, but behind whom is Satan, who is predicted to bruise the heel of the other seed, who is ultimately the Lord Jesus Christ, who is, who is not predicted to bruise back the heel of the heel bruiser serpent, Satan, but who with a decisive blow crushes the head of the snake. And so Genesis 3.15, bruising of the heel of the Lord Jesus Christ, is a heel bruising that he received in essence on the cross as he lifted up his heel to crush the head of the snake. And when he did that, he suffered on the cross that final strike that the serpent had, which is referred to as the bruising of the heel. And that's why it's so significant that after he was risen from the dead and he comes to his disciples in Luke 24, 39 through 40, he says, Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. See, in Luke 24 here in 39, when it says, Behold my feet, and then in the next verse in Luke 24, 30, when he says, he showed them his feet, he was showing them his heel. And as they looked at his feet, they saw his heel. And what they saw in his heel was how his heel was bruised. And that was the great fulfillment of the word spoken to Satan in Genesis 3.15 when he says that it shall bruise thy heel. And also says, to bruise or crush his head. Okay, So it shall bruise thy head, sorry, or crush, and thou shalt bruise his heel. So from the words of Genesis 3.15, by him showing his feet, he was in essence saying to them, do you see the bruise on my heel? Do you know how I got that bruise on my heel? I got that bruise on my heel when I lifted up my foot to give the final crush on the head of the snake. And that was the serpent Satan that he had planned to send you, in essence he would say, that was the serpent Satan, and he planned to send you into hell. He had planned. Your funeral announcements were printed. Your grave was dug by him. He had planned to send you into hell for eternity. And the only way to save you from that eternity in hell is if I agreed to step out without protection and crush his heel and in the process endure this bruising of my heel, which of course was the cross. My heel was bruised while I crushed your enemy, your serpent enemy, and that's what happened. And then I bruised my heel. And so he says, take a good look. Take a good look at my feet because they're bruised to save you from an eternity in hell. 
So the bruising of the heel of the Lord Jesus Christ during the crushing of the head of the Satan serpent is what's being talked about in 1 John 3.8 when it says, For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy, or as the Greek has it, disintegrate the works of the devil, foil all the plans, make him have to throw out the funeral announcements and cover the grave back up. And Luke 10.18, And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. And John 12, 31, now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And the demons knew, they knew that he had come as the head crusher of their leader, Satan. They knew that. And they said to him in Matthew 8, 29, and behold, they cried out saying, what have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? They said, before the time. They knew. In John 1, 29, John the Baptist knew also when he said, behold the Lamb of God. What happens to a lamb? He gets sacrificed. Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. In Isaiah 53, 12, Isaiah knew. He said, he hath poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors. He bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. So in verse 9, we now see Ishmael in a new light. It's not sibling rivalry here. We now see Ishmael as the 14-year-old son of Abraham. We now see Ishmael as the 14-year-old son of Abraham that Abraham has loved for 14 years. We now say Ishmael is the 14-year-old son of Abraham that Abraham has expressed his love to by pouring out his heart to God for him in a prayer that was very revealing in Genesis 17, 18, when Abraham prays, and Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. See, that short seven-word prayer tells us a lot. When he says, oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. When the first word, when he says, oh, we can feel the moving of Abraham's heart, Abraham the father's heart for Ishmael, his son, whom he loves. And with that word, oh, we can feel all the yearning of Abraham's father's heart for Ishmael, his son, who he loves. And with those words, oh, that Ishmael, we can see that Abraham is now caring, he's a caring father, and he's bringing his loved son to God, his loved son Ishmael to God. And with those words, oh, that Ishmael, we can see Abraham as a worried father, as bringing his son Ishmael, his loved son Ishmael, to God. See, he says, oh, that Ishmael, we can see Abraham thinking to himself, my son Ishmael will not come to God by himself. So with those words, oh, that Ishmael, he's saying, I'm going to bring him to God. And with those words, oh, that Ishmael, you can see Abraham worried. He's worried over his son Ishmael because he knows that Ishmael has no interest in God. He knows that Ishmael has no interest in God's promises. He knows that Ishmael thinks he has no need for God. So Abraham is so frustrated as he looks on his son Ishmael and says, how is it possible for me to have a son who I love so much, I've poured so much into, I've invested so much into it, and he has no interest in God or his promises. How is it possible for me to have a son that I love so much who thinks he has no need for God when I'm my life? All I show every day is how much I need God. So, and Abraham has spent so much time with Ishmael showing him how to know God 
as King David the father did with his son Solomon when with the eyes of love that only a caring father can have, he looks into the eyes of Solomon his son and he says the words of 1 Chronicles 28.9, And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind for the Lord searcheth all hearts, understandeth all the imaginations of thoughts. If thou seek him, he'll be found of thee. If thou forsake him, he'll cast thee off forever. As David did to his son, Solomon, we can see Abraham with those same eyes of love and concern, looking to the eyes of Ishmael and saying the same words of 1 Chronicles 28, 9. And thou, Ishmael, my son, know thou the God of thy father. Serve him with a perfect heart with a willing mind. So David addresses Solomon as my son. And we can hear Abraham address Ishmael as my son. And as David told Solomon his son, life's priority, life's number one priority, above everything else, forget about the temple, all the other stuff, just your number one priority, know thou the God of thy father. And we can hear Abraham tell Ishmael his son, life's first priority for you, Ishmael, know thou the God of thy father. And so David then challenges Solomon his son to make his life work to be serve the Lord. And we can see Abraham challenging Ishmael and saying, your life's work is to serve the Lord. And Abraham did what David did. David cautioned Solomon, his son, Solomon, when you serve God, make sure you have a whole heart and a willing mind when you serve God. And we can see Abraham doing the same thing with Ishmael. Ishmael, when you serve God, make sure you have a whole heart and a willing mind. See, Abraham did everything that he could to teach Ishmael by his life to know God, to guide Ishmael to serve God, to steer Ishmael to have a whole heart and a perfect mind, I mean a perfect heart and a willing mind, when he was serving God. But with all that Abraham had done, finally Ishmael reaches this 14 years old, this age of accountability, and in verse 9 we see this nature and this characteristic, this character of Ishmael just come out when it says he was mocking. See, Ishmael mocking reveals his nature. It reveals his character that Ishmael has chosen for himself. He chose that character. He chose that nature in spite of everything that Abraham has done for Ishmael. And in the end, Abraham could not control the choice that Ishmael made for himself. And that was a heartbreak for poor Abraham, the father, to see his son Ishmael mocking. It was a heartbreak for Abraham to see that. Isaac was not just the brother of Abraham. Isaac was the child God promised. God promised Isaac. So the heartbreak for Abraham, when he saw Ishmael mocking or heard about it, was that he was mocking God's promised child. Ishmael was mocking God when he was mocking Isaac, because Isaac was the child of promise. And by Ishmael mocking God, Abraham was broken in frustration and sadness, and he felt like an utter failure as a father. By seeing Ishmael mock God's promised child, Abraham felt that all he had invested into Ishmael for these 14 years had just failed, gone up in smoke. And by seeing Ishmael mock God's promised child, Abraham felt all the teaching, all the training, all the guiding, all the love, all the prayers, all the steering of Ishmael had just come to nothing. I failed. And it wasn't Abraham's fault. It was not Abraham's fault. Because no one can control the choice of another. Not even a father. It wasn't Abraham's fault. It was Ishmael's choice. 
And for us as parents who have seen our own children turn away from God, we can't control them any more than Abraham could control the choice of his children, Isaac. I know what you're thinking. I know you're thinking that that doesn't square with Proverbs 22.6 that says, train up a child in the way that he should go. Now you got the promise that when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, in the English, that appears like a promise. That verse appears on the surface to be giving an absolute guarantee. I train up a child when he's young, and then when he's, he'll, he won't depart from the training. But in the Hebrew, that's not what that verse is saying. The misinterpretation of that verse as a promise centers on how we understand the one word, when. It's translated when. That word was translated when is the word key, key. That's the same word as the last, it's used in the last verse of Psalm 22, where it says, they shall come and declare his righteousness unto a people that shall be born. That he hath done this. Key, Asa. Key is that. And when you substitute the word that in place of when, a meaning kind of changes. And a meaning kind of comes up like this. Train up a child in the way that he should go while you have the opportunity of training him as a child and train him in such a way that when you no longer have this opportunity to train him as a child, that he should be able to remember what you told him and view what you are doing now when you're training your child as setting a course that he should stay on that course when he is old. No guarantees. Only what you should do when you have the chance. Train up a child in the way that he should go so that when he is old, you train him now so he won't depart. But it's not saying 100% you got a guarantee there. That changes the meaning dramatically because it's no longer a promise for how the child's decisions are going to be made, which we can't control. Nobody can in our children any more than Abraham could control the decision in Ishmael. So when Ishmael mocked Isaac, it was so painful for Abraham because Ishmael was not just mocking Isaac. Ishmael was mocking God. Ishmael was mocking Abraham. Ishmael was mocking Sarah. All the God believers, he was mocking. And he mocked his father for trusting in God to receive him. And this was just as the enemies of God mocked the Lord Jesus Christ for trusting to deliver him, as we mentioned. You know, they, said, he trusted, they said, he trusted the Lord that he'd deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing delight in him. Ishmael mocked Isaac for being the child of promise that came from two parents that were as good as dead. That's what it says. And his title was the son of Abraham, Isaac's title. That's how they mocked the Lord Jesus Christ, for his claim to come alive again from the dead and for his title of being the son of God in Matthew 27, 40, and saying, thou that destroyest the temple and builds it in three days, save thyself, if thou be, here comes the title, the son of God. Come down from the cross. Ishmael mocked Isaac for being chosen by God instead of Ishmael. So there's a lot of envy and jealousy there. Just as they mocked the Lord Jesus Christ for his title as being the Messiah, the chosen of God, in Luke 23, 35, and the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided him, saying, he saved others, let him save himself, if he be Christ, the chosen of God. In verse 9, when Ishmael was mocking, he was expressing his unbelief in God. He was expressing his envy and his jealousy against Isaac. He was expressing his pride over Isaac and contempt against Abraham and Sarah. Now, verse 10. So now we're back, now we're looking at Sarah. And it says, Wherefore she said unto Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be here with my son, even with Isaac. So, Ishmael mocking, as we said, is just too much for Sarah, and she hit the boiling point, and boy, 
it starts off with these words, Sarah said unto Abraham, she sees Ishmael, and, and she boils over, and she turns to Abraham. Oh, boy, poor Abraham. feel sorry for him now, I'm telling you. Anyway, so from these words, we understand how Sarah, with all her furious anger, has now directed herself in a fight, not against Ishmael directly for his mocking, the Isaac, and Sarah does not address herself to fight directly against Hagar, whom she hates with a passion, but instead she pours out all her fury on Abraham, who's caught in the middle of all this. Bad position, Abraham. So with those words to Abraham, cast out this bondwoman and her son. We can feel this fury in Sarah against Hagar. And it's now all directed on Abraham. Thank you for joining Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program today. Now to continue this Bible teaching radio program on the air, we need your support. You can donate at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org, make an online donation, or call us now at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051, and for any donation above $20, we'll give you Tom Cantor's wonderful book called The Life of Joseph. So again, call us at 800-247-3051 and receive Tom Cantor's book, our resource of the month, The Life of Joseph, which shows the history of the Jewish people. Now, we also want to invite you, if you're down in the Southern California area, on Saturday, September 27th, Tom Cantor is the owner-operator of the Creation and Earth History Museum. We're having Museum Day 2014 with speakers such as Ray Comfort, Tom Cantor, Jason Lyle of Institute for Creation Research, and Eric Hovind of Creation Today. We'll also have a Noah's Ark theme with lots of animals from zebras to zorses to legless lizards. We'll also be showing the new Genesis 3D movie and the Noah's Ark movie from Ray Comfort. Now, for more creation resources or to find out more information about this Museum Day 2014, Saturday, September 27th, go to creationsd.org. CreationSD for San Diego, creationsd.org. Or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051 or creationsd.org.